Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Hyder, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Dream Bigger Podcast. If you're new here, I'm your host, Sif, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. If you have been here before, welcome back. I have quite the show for you today. So today I'm chatting with Serena fucking Kerrigan. If you've been on Instagram, you've probably seen her. She is the confidence queen. She is the founder of this incredible card game. And she's really like a sex positive icon, a millennial icon. And I have so much respect for her. I knew I had to talk to her because she did this live dating show, which I've actually never seen done before. It was so innovative, so cool. And since I've spoken to her, I went back and watched a few of the episodes and it's really, really entertaining. So I'm really excited to bring you this conversation. It is full of incredible tips for how to become more confident, her own story. She basically developed this like almost alter ego, which was Serena fucking Kerrigan. And it's a really interesting story. So you guys will really, really enjoy it. Before we get into the episode, let's go into this week's hot tip. So this week's hot tip is actually Serena's card game. So after I chatted with her, I went and bought Let's Fucking Fuck, which is such a fun game. I played it with Nish. It basically starts off with first base, second base, third base, and then no, first base, second base, and then third base or something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. No, there's four because there's four bases when you're having sex. Yeah. Okay. That's what it is. And basically (laughs) it goes from like pretty tame to pretty raunchy. And it's just a really fun game. I feel like you can really connect with your partner. Even if it's a first date, there's like a lot of really great questions in there. So it's a really fun game. I highly recommend it. And this week's review is from Kel JH. She says, my new favorite podcast. Started listening to the Dream Bigger podcast in the last couple of months and it's my new favorite. Sifat is a great interviewer and the conversations are so easy to listen to. I feel like I learn something new or find new wellness inspiration with every episode. From sleep to plant-based eating to learning more about menstruation, it's just so good and so relatable. There hasn't been a single episode that I haven't really enjoyed. Highly recommend. This is such a nice review. Kel, 
I really appreciate it. If you haven't left a review yet, please, please take five seconds of your time to just scroll down to the bottom of Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating and tell me what you love about the show. If it brings you value, it is the best way that you can support me. It helps the show grow. It helps the show reach another audience, people who may really benefit from it. And it helps me learn what you love and what you don't love. So even if you don't love something, you can let me know, but I I hope you love everything. (laughs) Um, Anyway, with that, let's get into my chat with Serena fucking Kerrigan. So the first question I always ask guests is what was your big dream when you were growing up? I really wanted to be an actress. Really? Yeah. I love this question because I feel like somehow people have almost like a full circle moment because I think like you have like such like like a presence to you. So I feel like it kind of came full circle, no? Definitely. I mean, I really wanted to be an actress growing up. I was in every musical theater program, camp play. I was always the comic relief, never the lead. Ever. Um, <laughs> I love being on stage. I love performing. My dad would tell me when I was like really young, like 10 years old, like I would like be in the play acting and I'd be directing like on stage. I'd be like, move there, like say the line. Like, and my dad was like, you can't, like you have to be in the role, Serena. Like I was like such a producer from a little a- young age. And my parents are both in the industry and my dad is a show writer, sorry, showrunner, writer, director, filmmaker. And I think he saw firsthand, you know, how difficult it was is to be an actress and how your career, you don't really have that much agency over your career. It's Mm -hmm. really just a game of luck and obviously talent, but really perseverance. And it just might not happen for you. There's so many actors that just like, they never make it. And so he always said to me, like, if you really are serious about this, take acting lessons, which I did. And then he was like, if you're really, really serious and you want this to be your career, become a writer, write the part for yourself. And that's essentially what I do. That's essentially like my whole brand is SFK is a character that I wrote. And I think people think that's 100% me. I think it's not. I think it's a character that I play and it's exaggerated. But I ended up essentially doing what I love to do and having complete agency over what I do. And he was so right. So then is SFK like an alter ego like Sasha Fierce? Yeah. I'd say it's like that. Like a Lady Gaga, Sasha Fierce. I think that the first thing people say to me when they meet me is like, you're way more chill than I thought you'd be. You actually are. That was your energy when you came in. I was like, oh, like, this is really interesting. So, like, I'm actually, like, excited to hear, like, how you even came about writing this role. And, like, for anyone who's new and, like, isn't familiar with your content, tell everyone about Serena fucking Kerrigan. Like, where did this even start? Like, what was the genesis? Like, tell us everything. Yeah, no, I mean, it was really, I just grew up, I was an only child. I grew up in New York City. And... I think not having siblings made me very sensitive. I also have like a lot of cancer in my chart, but um, very like sensitive. And I really wanted people to like me because I spent a lot of my childhood alone. My Mm -hmm. entire family lives abroad. My parents were divorced. They didn't get remarried. So it would just be like me and one parent at the dinner table. There was not, I spent a lot of time alone. And that was great because I became very independent. But I think that I've been in search of like love and acceptance and community. And then also very sensitive, was very sensitive to, you know, mean comments, like every person sensitive or not. And it really like shook me. There's just, you know, camp or high school 
it just, you know, comments made by other people felt like they stuck and they suddenly like rewrote who I was. And then when I got to Duke, I was a freshman and I was like, I have an opportunity to start fresh. Like, I don't want to like have a night ruined because someone doesn't want to make out with me. Like Mm -hmm. that sucks. Like I can't live my life like that. There's no control there. So I just started introducing myself as Serena fucking Kerrigan. Like I told everyone I changed it legally, which I obviously didn't, but it's still to this day, like people think I did. Fine, whatever. I'm a great actress. And I just like, I did it because I wanted people to pay attention to me. I love, you know, be on stage performing center of attention. Love that shit without relying on like physical looks because I didn't think at the time that I was pretty. Okay. Insecure. So by doing this, people suddenly like I was memorable. People were like, whoa, there was a reaction. It was polarizing, which I'm still literally the same person as I was like 10 years ago. And it stuck. And it really what it was, though, I think it was a dialogue between me and myself. So whenever I was feeling shitty or whenever I got rejected or didn't do well on something, it was being like your Serena fucking Kerrigan. It was that hype up that I would do if you came to me and you weren't feeling good about yourself. But I was just doing it, you know, and that was through the name. You know, then I was like on Instagram. It was like pre-Instagram Instagram. It was like when, you know my God. It was like 2013. It was like one, like, it was like a photo filter app. And I just started creating the character on social. Like she, like the way she spoke and like her whole demeanor and like the, you know, just always like extra, like in a gown. Like, I don't know. I just like fucked around and like really created that persona on Instagram. And over the years, like it just, it just became this character that I love tossing back to. And then there came a point where like, I just became very confident. Like, I am very confident. I definitely, like, like being SFK on social because I like having a barrier between me and the internet because it's intense. I feel like you almost faked your way into confidence until it became you, which is really interesting. So I don't believe in the word fake because we actually are confident. Yeah. It's that we then kind of get infected with insecurity because Mm -hmm. we live in a white dominated patriarchal society that it hinges on us being insecure because it's capitalism because when we're insecure we buy shit and when one person makes a comment about us or when we don't fit the traditional mode of beauty and this conventionalism that has been totally you know taught to us and we've been indoctrinated by I think that we really become infected and we don't believe that we could ever become confident and that's just like not true like that's I didn't fake becoming confident I actually just Stepped kind of into re- it. reverted. I unlearned. I was like, wait, why can't I be confident? Like, I don't have to be a size zero. I don't have to be, you know, looking like a Victoria's Secret model. Like, why? Like, wh- who wrote the story of confidence? Like, who wrote what is beauty? What is being a good person? You know, and beauty really comes from within. The, the second I started being SFK and really being like, I'm a hot bitch. Like, I'm the shit. Like, and by the way, not putting anyone else down. And I think that that's a really important distinction to make. Like, cockiness is bringing other people down to lift yourself up. Confidence is just being like, I'm amazing. You're amazing. Let's fucking go. Once I started to do that, everyone's like, oh, my God, you got so hot. Like, you're like, something changed about you. And I'm like, no, I just like, I just saw myself differently. And suddenly you see yourself differently. And it was just a really great, like, it it was a proof in the pudding that, like, you really do write the story of who you are in your identity and your life. Like, if you say, like, I'm going to do X, I, and Z, like, you'll do them. Like, maybe people are going to say no and not believe you, but, like, fuck them. They don't decide. You decide. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. 
I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. It's so true. So I'm actually reading a book right now. Like I was listening to it on the way here and it's by um, his last name. I forget, but it's like near something. And the book is called Indistractable. And he cites a study whereby he talks about willpower. And in this study, it was shown that people who believed that willpower was like a finite thing ended up feeling like their willpower had run out. Whereas other people who felt like it was like, you know, an infinite sort of thing that we have full control over, they didn't feel that, oh, like I've had like a shit day or like I need a break from life sort of vibe. So it really is that, you know, what we believe is kind of our reality, you know? hundred percent. It's not kind of it is. And it's also like, you know, I get a lot of questions in my Q&As about like, Someone says to me, like, how do I stop reaching out to my ex? And I'm like, well, how do you stop on the sidewalk when there's incoming traffic? Like, it's like you actually have more power. You have all the power. It's like, how do I stop? What do you mean, how do you stop? But it's like being like, why should I stop? I should stop reaching out to my ex because that relationship is broken for a reason. And I deserve the best relationship in the world. And by going back to him, it's preventing me from finding someone else. It's so true. So the first time you introduced yourself as Serena fucking Kerrigan, what was going through your head? Like, do you remember being nervous? No, I just was like, no, I don't remember being nervous. I totally remember we were in the freshman dorms. Like people, I think that like, you know, my friends kind of like ate it up. They thought it was hilarious. And then it was really when I like left the dorm and went to the bar and introduced myself to the older kids, the older Duke students that, that I got pushed back. Like, you know, people... We're so obviously now looking at it like just so insecure. But like I got cut from like one of the sororities because, you know, I scared other girls, you know, at every which way. I was told that guys wouldn't want to hook up with me, that I wouldn't get into a sorority, that I wouldn't get a job because I put on my resume, that I wouldn't get a manager, that I wouldn't get an agent, that I wouldn't get a brand deal. They literally every fucking turn of my career to this day, I'm told you won't get this because of the F word. And I just say, okay, but I will. And I did. I got all those things. And I think that you're right. Uh, as a word on its own, it is, you know, an expletive. It's a curse word. It could be used defensively. But I turn the word on its head. Like, it's about being empowered. Confident, and, yeah. And confident. And it's like, you know, if a guy changed building to fucking, no one would say shit. But it's like when a woman is, like, standing in a room, empowered, head tall, and is like, I'm Serena fucking Kerrigan, and I'm the queen of my life, it's like people cannot handle it because that's not how women should be. So when you were initially going through this, like, I guess, like, stepping into this identity, and you're talking about, like, this stupid sorority, I'm going to say it, but, like, saying that you scared girls, was it because of their own shit? Or was it because back then that your first go at, like, stepping into this person was more cocky versus confident? No, it wasn't because it had nothing to do with anyone else. I was literally like, I'm staring at fucking Kerrigan. That was to the extent that I was that person. Right. And I smiled like it wasn't like and so that's and that's the thing. It's like whenever someone says like is criticizing you, you have to like really take it with a grain of salt because you're like, are you really giving me constructive feedback? Am I really scaring you by introducing me? It wasn't like I was like, I'm straight and fucking Kerrigan. Fuck all you bitches. You're stupid. I would never. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, I'm straight and fucking Kerrigan. Like, uh, can we be friends? Why is that scaring you? Because you're insecure. hundred percent. Like it's you're projecting your shit on me and like fuck that. And I like, I just see it all the time on social media where people just like, 
you know, I've been seeing it a little more now than I, I've actually pr- stayed pretty like free from the bullying on social media because my brand is so entrenched in making women feel good mm-hmm. that like, and I'm also very self-aware and I, I also worked at a media company for three and a half years that was all about empowerment. So I really learned the way to use my voice and to lift up others and dialogue. And I'm from New York City and my parents are not from here. So like I have a lot of just awareness and and understanding of different cultures and and how to like use my voice for good. But that being said, like recently I've gotten more hitbacks and like hate. And it's just like, it still stings. Like it, 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 even though I'm I'm really solid and secure in who I am and I have people in my life who would actually give me great feedback and I would trust them because they want me to grow. Whereas the people on social media are just shitting on me for what? So like get it out of their system. It's about them. Like they're just like literally taking out their shit on me and they're projecting. But regardless, it's just so scary how the internet has been like this facade of reality and how you... Like, there's no consequences. Like, if we were in school and someone said something mean to me, I would, like, cry. Everyone would see. The teacher would see. He would get in trouble. Now it's, like, this, like, there's, there's no infinite it's, space. that like, and, and a lot of times I, like, res- I'll open the message and respond and being like, thanks so much. And they'll be like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't think it, you didn't think what? There wasn't a human being behind the screen? Yeah. I feel like that's almost like the best way to respond just with like I kindness always, and compassion. Thank and you just, so much. Exclamation point. Yeah, that's exactly what I do as well. Like people send me mean things and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way. And I hope you have a really great day. And like sometimes like they'll apologize. And I'm like, but why'd you say it in the first place then? Like because they're, like, they're insecure. What if it wasn't me, right? What if it was someone who could actually be like impacted by it? Like I don't give a fuck, right? But like there are others who are like maybe – they don't yeah. think like that, right? So it's crazy. The space is like people are just running it's buck lawless. wild. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. It's lawless. But that's Anarchy. why you have to develop the thick skin. A hundred percent. So if someone is trying to gain confidence, right? What are some tips you can give them, like tangible? Literally, this is the tip of all tips, and I'm a hundred percent right. And I've been doing this for a while. In the pandemic, I confidence coached like 150 people, ranging ages from 14 to 60. And I met with some of them on one-offs, but some I would meet with like for months at a time. I, I'm, I don't claim to know anything about anything. This is the one thing that I'm right about. Talk to yourself in the mirror. Like I did not believe in the affirmations. Love myself. Mm, like you're worthy. Would I ever say to my best friend, you're worthy? No, I'd be like, you're a baddie. You look fucking hot today. Oh, that boy ghosted you? Since when do we ever give any energy to anyone who isn't giving us 100%? Like, bye. Like, thank God he goes to you now and not in 10 years when you're pregnant and have, you know, a family or whatever. Like, that kind of dialogue, like, literally get in front of your mirror, look at yourself in the eye, and just talk to yourself like your best friend. There's times where I've been, like, sobbing. And I, like, go up to my mirror. I'm like, are we okay? Let's talk. Let's work this through. And, like, sometimes I get this, like, response, like, that's so weird. You know what's fucking weird? That, like, we saw only, you know, the thinnest supermodels on our television screens for decades. That's fucking weird. That's not an indicator of our society at all. You know, it's weird that we still don't make the same amount of money as men. That's fucking weird. Like, you know, it's weird, like, Facetune and all this shit. That's so weird. But, like, oh, but— Going in front of the mirror and talking to the person that you've known your entire life who will be with you your entire life, that's weird. No, I refuse that. So if you get in the habit of doing this, you really become like your best friend. And Mm -hmm. if you're your best friend, does it mean like – so people ask me, they're like, well, like, do you still not like things about yourself? It's like, of course. Like my roommate I lived with for years, she is my best friend in the world. I adore her. I like – 
literally like would do anything for her. But there's some things about her that I'm like, okay, like that's not my favorite thing about you. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean I talk badly about her or I criticize her or I say she's disgusting or the worst. I'm just like, I accept it. Like there's just things that you end up accepting about yourself, but you have to talk to yourself out loud. And that really was SFK. That was just me talking to myself out loud just through a name. But it's really the same exact principle and ideal. I actually love that. It's like, and I I love that you put it in the way that talk to yourself like it's your best friend, not like I'm worthy, I'm beautiful. Like it's, because it's not doable. Right. It's just so, I felt it was just very wholesome. It didn't work for me. It might work for other people. But I think that the the thing that people think is weird about talking to yourself in the mirror is that you're like, people say to me, well, I don't believe it. Yeah. So I think that what I say to them, I say is, okay, I say, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, it's almost like you're detached from yourself. Like you're seeing someone else. Mm -hmm. So you can talk to them like they're almost detached from you. And that way, speaking to them doesn't feel like you're lying because you're just talking to your best friend. So you would do this every single day? Everyone should do it every single day. I do it all the fucking time. I grew up an only child. Like I didn't, like it wasn't even I was realizing that I was, I literally did not have anyone to talk to. So you did a live dating show. Tell me about that whole chapter. Yeah, no, it was crazy. I basically, I quit my job in February, 2020. I was working at Refinery29 for three and a half years and I was just ready to really like build my empire. I didn't really know what that meant, but like I had some brand deals in the works and I was really like became this confidence person. Like, the dating and the sex, like, are definitely, like, my brand evolving, but it really was only about confidence. Like, because I was, like, I knew how to get, become insecure to confidence, so I felt like it was, like, my purpose to, like, share that with the world. And then, you know, the pandemic happened, and I was alone in my apartment and, like, very alone in New York City. Everyone left. My parents were uptown. And I come from, like, production background with, like, you know, a full-blown team, hair and makeup, a whole, like, a camera crew to being alone with, you know, my ring light and iPhone. And I was like, okay, well, you quit to be a content creator, so start making content. And I was so nervous. Like, I didn't, I lost all my faith in myself, which is crazy because I literally was producing for a company for years and was so capable. But something about all of a sudden doing it alone with not all of the, like, the stuff, but not just the fluff. Yeah. Right? Suddenly, like, it was too scary. It was too raw. So I just did, and I really, like, this is, like, a great piece of advice for anyone that, like, wants to try something new. Like, I didn't, like, it's actually interesting. Right before I quit my job, I thought I was going to start a podcast. And I bought all of the equipment. I got the graphic. I got the, like, I got all the fluff. And then I didn't even make it to recording an episode because I just didn't, podcasts are not my medium. It's video. Mm -hmm. So, like, I remember my friend being like, why are you buying all this shit? Why are you buying all the fluff when you don't even know what the show is? You don't even know if you like it. Best advice. Also, like, when you're starting something new and you don't really know, like, do the thing that comes almost the easiest natural that you could literally do, like, on your phone, whatever. Which is basically how the show came about. I just started going live because at Refinery, I was on the live team for one and a half years. So, like, I really understood live. How to engage with your audience, how to be entertaining, not feeling afraid when there's, like, holes and, you know, there's room to breathe, not having to edit, no post-production, fucking love that. Having an idea, running with it, going with it. The comment section, like, I love the, I just love the being alive of live. So I was like, I'll just go live every day. And I did. And I talked a lot about, you know, my loneliness and uh, my anxiety and not having a boyfriend, even though that went against my whole principle of, like, not needing one, but had the pandemic really exacerbated those feelings of loneliness, which, like, hello, obviously. And so I was talking about it a lot and I was like, how the fuck are singles even dating? And that became a constant thought. Like, what are we doing? How are we going to meet people? And then I started, I just one day asked my friend, hey, 
can you set me up with a guy on Instagram Live? Like, I don't want to know anything about him. Like, I don't, I, I hated the apps because I hate, like, that you have these, like, preconceived notions. So I was like, just set me up with someone. Give me, the, I'm going to go live. Give me their username. Tell them to, like, you know, request to be in it and I'll just do it. And it, it blew up. Like, because no one had anything to do on Fridays. The entire audience became part of the show. Like, I would go on these dates. I'd go two dates for half an hour. Then the, and by the way, all the episodes are on letsfuckingdate.com. And then I would have an after show, invite all these like celebs, friends, people, parents come on and give me their feedback on the guys. And that is when I started an Instagram for the show, got a graphics package for the show, hired my first hire for the show because I was like, I really think we have something here. I stopped doing the other show that I was just going live for fun and like getting fucking wasted on Instagram. Like I started really like being like, wow, like this is a TV show and I can really prove it as a TV show. So I did three seasons of the show. I feel like I've been talking for literally a year. So I apologize, but you asked me. So no, 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 this is so interesting. So I did three seasons of the show. After the first season, I, I picked myself as a winner. And then, you know, I, I had to stop dating. Like, I literally did it for so many months. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I, it's kind of the world started to open back just a little bit. So, mm-hmm. like, I was like, I need a break. And then everyone was like, are you going to sell this show? Like, are you going to sell it to network? And I was like, oh, they were like, are you going to make it a real show? And I was like, that's interesting. What makes it not a real show? Because there's an audience, there's a format, there's, you know. It's just fucking different from what you normally think is like quote unquote. And like even that is like so backwards. Right, but so I was like, so, but why? So I said, I, my season for season two, I'm set out to like make this a real television show. Which I knew that if that was the case, I would have to get a real team. And then if that, if I was getting a real team, I had to get sponsors. So we sold the entire second season for six figures to sponsors. Bumble, Svetka, Hint, like huge brands bought into the show. Um, It had never been done before the way that we sold it as a real television show on Instagram Live. We did a third season, absolutely incredible. And um, and then I was done. Like it was like, I was like three seasons, one year, 50 guys, I'm fucking done and I'm single and I'm good. And it launched my career and it really also launched the card game, which is the best legacy from the show. I should have brought you one, fuck. But. Uh, I'm, I actually want to buy it because it like, it looks okay. fucking cool and I think it's awesome. So what do you think resonated about you? Because like, I mean, during that time, you came into my radar, I want to say like, like end of 2020 and like you blew the fuck up. So what do you think resonated with people and what do you think other content creators can learn from this or like anyone who's looking to create a personal brand really because that's what you've done and you've done it so artfully. Thank you so much. I think that a couple things. There's one was authentic. It's going to sound so cliche, everything that I'm about to say, but you know, it's just how it is. I think it was the authenticity of live. I think that we've been fed so many dating shows that are so produced, that aren't in real time, that are like, it's just, it's all fake. And I think that Let's Fucking Date was so real. It was literally two people on a date. Like there was nothing fake about it. And I think that was fascinating for people to be like a a fly on the wall. I think also like the interactivity of like, you know, the audience being part of the show, them playing God, them being like, ask him to take his shirt off or like, wait, oh my God, I I know his ex-girlfriend. Like they were so entrenched in it. Oh my God, you have to watch the show. The episodes are online. They're so, it's it's so funny and also now to see it. But it was really like the authenticity and realness and rawness that I think people create. Also like, you know, we see so many things on the internet and so much in life. We, we rarely see two people going on a date for real. Like when do we ever see, see people going on a date in real time? Like ever. Never. Even with a friend. Like my friends saw me on a date. Like they saw their friends on a date. Like that I thought was really fascinating because people don't know how to date or they mm-hmm. think that they don't know. 
And then I think secondly was consistency. It's like it was every every week at the same exact time. And I've known after like leaving that space now and doing other content that like the reason, you know, I've, the reason I see other content creators go is because it's like they post every day or they post a podcast every week. It's just that consistency of like the audience knowing that they're going to get what they're going to get is important. And it's hard, especially as a content creator, because sometimes we just don't want to. But yeah. And then I think that another thing is so authenticity, consistency. And I think in terms of, like, creating the brand, it was really creating a character. Like, everything fed back to SFK. Like, everything, it's, like, it's almost like a thesis statement in an essay. It's, like, even when I do a branded content, like, it's SFK in it. You know, she's really, like, a character and I'm telling a story. And at the end of the day, people just want to hear a great story. So after Let's Fucking Date ended, how did you continue to bring that consistency into your personal brand? I think it was really, like, after the show ended, I was like, holy shit, like, we have a great audience. I think we had, like, 25,000, you know, followers on our Instagram. So I was like, how do we get – how do we transition from a show to a company? And, like, that was very scary because I'm like, they were used to the show every week, uh, you know, and I just – you know, three seasons. And it it was really, like, definitely a challenge. But we really leaned where I created a card game during the pandemic, during the uh, second season of the show – launched in September 2020 called Let's Fucking Date because I wrote because the thing about the show yes it was a real date but like I wasn't about to play the name game like on Instagram live when thousands of people are tuning in like I had to come up with fun questions that would like you know entice the viewers and like also like where I could really get to know the person and open up and so I just started writing all these questions down and we put it into a card game format and we have three versions of the game Let's Fucking Date which you can play with friends on a first date spouse, married, divorced, friend, like anyone. Let's fucking fuck. Same, but like maybe you're going to have sex at the end. And then let's fucking play, which is our newest one that has a self-love masturbation focus. So you can play with friends, you can play on a date, but you can also play completely by yourself with a mirror and, you know, get off to it. So on brand for you. Extremely. I love that. I think it's really- No one's done it. No one's done it. No one's done anything I've done. That's Really, really, really fucking smart. I actually love that idea. I'll probably get all three. Like, no, no, like, I, absolutely. <laughs> like, without a question. I mean, we sold 20,000 of the two first two games in under a year. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Good for you. Go you. Thank you. Like, I that's... just think it was about, like, how do I empower people to go on dates? Like, that was really, like, the, the and it really all goes back to confidence. Like, I want to make people feel empowered and good about themselves. So I was like, how can I, like, be there without physically being on, like, everyone's date? And I thought a card game would be a great way to do it. So then talk – one thing I read, actually, like, a, like a few weeks ago, I think, was that there is an art of, like, marketing. And, like, really good marketing is almost when you, like, don't realize what's happening because it's, like, it's so authentically, like, part of your brand. So how have you done that with your card games? Because, like, whatever you're selling, I want to buy it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's incredible. Like, it's a testament to you. So, like, give our listeners tips. I really think it's, like, I've – tried selling other products as well like we did a necklace once we did t-shirts you know I think like merch is difficult like I think the card game is different there's a real value to having a card game like having this one particularly like it's an experience but I think the, the other ones was like I love my card game like I will bring it out and I will play it like I want people to play it like I'm so proud of it and I really created something that like I would want and I have used on dates like I have I think that the other products I've made like 
you know, they've existed before in other iterations or like, you know, I don't, I wouldn't die without it. Like I love it, but like, I'm not obsessed with it. And I think that's really important as an entrepreneur. Like you have to be fucking obsessed with your product, like Diana Hellfright, which like, it was really interesting. Like it, I was so lucky that this was my first one. So I like understood that, but like I've launched a couple of things since. And then I had a rule. I'm like, I'm never making anything that like already kind of exists you know, like, everyone's pushing me to do a vibrator. I'm like, bro, like, unless, like, we have some super fucking insane, you know, invention, like, I'm not doing it. Like, it's not going to be my own. Like, the card game was me. Like, I created those questions. Like, I created that format and that experience. So, like, I and I, it didn't exist before. And people love to tell me, oh, but this card game, that card game. I'm like, I've seen those card games. Like, it's not the same card game at all. Honestly, this is, like, such an important piece of advice because we do the same thing with Array. Like, I... First of all, like I am our biggest fan. I use our stuff every fucking day. And I always say to Nish that like if we can't be the fucking best at it and if something exists out there, why are we doing it? Right. What the fuck is the point? Is this a get rich quick scheme? Like it's not. Right. It's and, not. And, and people and smell it. Total, that people know. And by the way, like – I think that it's like, I get a lot of questions like, oh, you know, I want to make, I want to be a content creator, but there's so many out there. And like, that's not to say like, there are other supplements or there are other card games out there and you want to get into that space. It, you, there's room for you, but you have to bring your own POV and your own experience. Like my card game is different than like another amazing best-selling card game called We Are Not Really Strangers. Like you'll see the difference. Mine is so SFK in my voice, right? Like, it's just like, it's very like, you know, it totally toes the line. It's pulled polarizing. It's like, it's hot. You know, We're Not Really Strangers is like a very like intimate, like deep game that's so amazing. But when people try to compare them, I'm like, they're literally just like, it's like Uber and Lyft. It's just, they're just different. It's different companies. It's a different vibe. Don't know why I use that as an example, but you get it. So I just think like, you know, it's really about like, what is the story that you want to tell? Don't look at anyone else and what they're doing. Like, what is it about you that you want to bring into the world? I just think that every time you look to someone else, whether it's a creator, entrepreneur, and see what they're doing, you get lost in the sauce. And my dad taught me that because he's a writer. And I'm always like, oh my God, have you seen Squid Game? Have you seen this show? Have you seen Succession? And he's like, I don't really watch TV because it like seeing what other people do, it just, it really does impact when you write. Like he reads novels, he goes to museums, he gets inspired different ways. But I don't think when he's writing a TV show, he doesn't watch other TV shows. I... And I see why could not agree more. I feel like you absorb too much and then it impacts your thought process. Like I don't look at what other people are doing in my, like, I don't give a fuck. Right. Like I'm going to do what I'm doing. Like, and I don't want to get influenced. I don't want to think that like, oh, I could do it this way. We're not really strangers because I didn't want any kind of like anyone saying anything. Cause I, you know, I want, I really do want to play, but I just feel like I don't want to ever even get accused of copying someone else's game, which is another thing as, as creators now. Like everyone's making so much, especially, mm-hmm. and I see it all the time. Like, And then eventually you're just, it's just, there's a lot getting thrown at you. So you have to be very systematic about how you're creating a product. Yeah. But I think in terms of marketing, like it's always a story. Like, you know, the Let's Fucking Date page when I was picking the color palette, like I already knew what it was. It was me. It's red, like red lipstick, black, my black eyelashes, because I have huge eyelash extensions like gold for my hair, uh, like a cream for my skin. Like it was actually me on the page and no one would know that. But like, it's so authentic. And it also like nothing really looks like it, right? But that was only, but I wasn't saying like, oh my God, I need to come up with a color palette that looks like no one else's. I said, no. I was like, the color palette is me. So what are the things that we can pull? That is just like, that was a story. 
right? It's like visually a storytelling. So I think that that's like another way to do that. It's like the marketing has to always just be a story, what story you're trying to tell. Like for the, my newest game, Let's Fucking Play, like I really wanted to make a card game about self-love. And the first duration of it, by the way, this is the first time I'm ever talking about this. The first iteration of it was called Let's Fucking Grow. And we wrote the questions. It was really like, I wanted people like a self-love game, confidence game. Like, what mm-hmm. do you mean? That's the most on brand thing ever. And it just like really didn't feel like my voice mm. because I like, it just felt like very earnest. And it's like the reason why my games hits because like there's fuck in it. Like there's let's fucking get, let's fucking, fuck, let's fucking grow. Like, what is this a plant? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like what? So I was like thinking about, well, what is like the ultimate way that you show yourself love? And it's like by giving yourself pleasure. And then I thought about masturbation. Like I've been masturbating since I was literally three. Remember, like only child had so much time on my hands. Like, like fuck imaginary friends. They're not giving me a fucking orgasm. Okay. <laughs> like it's like, it's me. So, you know, I, that's how I became very comfortable with my sexuality and myself. And, and I thought like that really is. So like, what could I do? How could we also continue to talk about masturbation? Because I'm very open about it, but I know that women aren't taught to be. So, you know, I decided to call it Let's Fucking Play. And the whole story behind it is really just like it's playful, play with yourself. The way that we play, you know, it's so normalized for women or, sorry, girls to play with Barbie dolls and to be wholesome. And it's like, but then when it comes to playing with themselves and masturbation, it's like the Madonna horror complex. And so that was really fascinating to me because I think that like my brand has evolved from confidence coach to like the dating guru to now I really feel like I'm more in this like Samantha Jones, like very sex positive brand that is like, why can I not be a uber successful entrepreneur that went to Duke that like as you know good person great friends runs a company and fuck <laughs> like why can't those why, two yeah exist it's like disjointed almost and like it's bizarre because it's misogyny because women that you know are sexual are threatening to men and too fucking bad is what I say yeah I, I couldn't agree more with you and like you know I think that there's such a need for a sex positive woman who isn't Samantha Jones, the only one that we've seen in our... There are other ones. Like, I think, you know, Sex with Emily is amazing. Yes, I love her. She's great. You know, I have tons of friends that are in the dating space that are sex positive. I think the thing is, it's like... There's something about my brand that's very relatable because I I don't have a significant other. Like, I'm young. Like, I'm figuring it out with my audience. And by the way, my brand isn't always talking about sex. I'm interested in a lot of different things. And I find that, like, while it's important to have a niche, it's also important to show that you have, like, other things, you know, other interests. So I think that's maybe the draw mm-hmm. of it, you know? It's like, yeah, I love fashion and I love getting fucked up. And I love, like— It's like it's a part of your identity. Right. You know? Like, it's, like, one facet. And, like, that's the thing that, like, I think that— People like seeing that and they need to see it because I even remember when I was like, I want to say like in high school and I remember talking about masturbation with my friends and it was like, oh, but don't you feel dirty after? And it's like, oh my God, the way that my eyes rolled to the back of my head just now. I know it's fucked. We grew up saying the penis. Remember the penis? Can we go penis, penis? We'd yell it out. Why? Never vagina. Never, (laughs) never, never, not once. No, 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 no. It's sexism is entrenched in the way that we like talk about ourselves, think about ourselves from literally from birth, from being in preschool. And like, I used to really, I had, I've kept a diary my entire life since my first kiss. And I wrote about it in there. I was like, why is it when like a girl like makes out or kisses a lot of boys, she's labeled a whore. And when a guy does it, he's labeled a pimp, like in a good way. Well, pimp, but you get it. Like I was noticing those complexities from literally when I was like 12 years old. So I feel like it's my job to be like, uh, uh, no. 
like well everyone go get let's fucking play date and fuck yeah i like it i like it i want to talk about your brand because i think something that you've done which is really on brand for you and like you know after speaking to you as well like it's not surprising you have really invested in really high quality video in glam what advice do you have to other content creators do you feel like as you step into those things like they start working for you love this question never been asked this question before obsessed with it so I it's very goes much back to the whole like writing the identity of who you are like I really believe in like if you look the part you are the part if you say you are the part you become the part and so I was always like I'm meant for television like I will be a huge fucking star and so you know, like I'm not one of those TikTokers that's, I mean, and by the way, there's, you go to my TikTok, you're going to see me without makeup on because I think that that's the rawness of the app, but I don't enjoy it. I enjoy high production value, like glam polished, like excellent video sound design. Like that is just like, I'm a producer. Like that's what I've like loved. I've also grown up with two parents in the industry. So that's what I've been exposed to. But I really think like you have to spend money to make money. And when I was a content creator, right before I quit, I had saved a lot of money before I quit because I lived at home for two years with my mom. We shared a bathroom. Like, I can't even deal. <laughs> but, like, I'm so lucky she lived in New York. And, like, and you know, that was a resource to me. I know a lot of people don't have that. But, like, sharing a bathroom with your mom, having sex, like, in your mom's apartment, absolutely fucking not. It was a pre-war building. She heard everything. I'm over it. But anyway, you know, I saved a lot of money. But, you know, when I was doing these brand deals, very small brand deals, like, I was not breaking even. And my managers were like, you stop spending money on video. Stop getting an editor. Stop getting like a DP like to shoot your ads. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, they're not ads. They're short films. Literally verbatim what I would say to them. I'm like, because I literally treated it as like a mini short films about us, okay? And they're I'm, so just chef's kiss. Thank you so much. But I love it. I mean, I was making short films when I was 15. Like that's when I started. So like it really is like. It's very much like just I wanted to be a filmmaker when I was applying to college. Like that's what I said. I was like, I'm gonna be the next like Sofia Coppola. Like I'm a filmmaker. So it really is that. Just when you it's branded, it's like you get money to actually make it. So my managers were like, you have to stop. Like, do it on your fucking iPhone. Like you don't have to, you can do your own makeup. And I was like, no. Because I was like, one day someone's gonna fucking notice that my shit is different and that my shit is like it's it could be a Super Bowl ad. And they did. Like Nike hired me. Like I'm, I, I did an ad for Plan B that was like one of my favorites I've ever done. So fucking on brand. But like, also once I started doing that quality, there was no way of reverting. And yeah, have there been times financially where I'm like, hmm, like maybe I shouldn't. Like maybe I should. But you know, but I think it's art, and I think like it's my art, and that's how I express my art is through that. I also love collaborating. Like I'm jealous of the content creators that can sit in their you know bedroom for ten hours making content by themselves. Like I'm, I wish, but I can't. I love collaboration. I love a lot of voices and a lot of opinions, and and I just think that that's really how the magic is made. You know, I think it really sets your stuff apart. Like it, it does, and like I feel like it's like the. Serena fucking Kerrigan thing all over again yeah. in a different form mm -hmm. that like you knew that this is what you needed to do to be this person like you wrote that out for yourself and I, I've seen it in front of my own eyes because I've been following you for a while and I'm like oh my god like this fucking chick is cool like she acted like it or she was it from the inside and now everyone sees the same thing it's really fucking cool I appreciate that but that's really how you can do with anything and also even if you don't have like the finances to like get a whole hair and makeup team like there's little things that you can do but I think it's also about being 
What I think is the most important is making sure you have the story or the concept first with the audience and then spend the money. You know what I mean? Like I knew I was a really great writer. And so like I decided to spend the money on the visuals once I really knew that the concept was going to stick. Like with the podcast thing, I like thought about all that equipment. I ended up selling all of it. I'm like, I spent so much fucking money on this equipment. I didn't even know what the concept was. So I think it's important to like also baby steps. Like I have a company of five now, but like like I didn't like people are like, how did you hire your whole team? It's like, no, it was one step. It's not like you hired five all at once. Fuck no. <laughs> it's also revolving door. People come, people leave, whatever. You have to find your niche. You have to find your people. But like, it's like, I think, you know, when people are like, I didn't go to business school. Like I didn't like, did you? Did no. You? No. Like we, we didn't go to business school. Like we didn't, th- I didn't think I was going to start. I mean, I didn't think I was in a fucking card game business. What? But I just took it one step at a time and it just led to another and I was patient with myself that I was going to figure it out. And I know I believed in myself. Whenever people are like, I didn't do this. I, I don't know how to start a company. And it's like, ask, like literally ask, like, what are you going to do? Like literally just ask the question and realize that like other people want to see you win and help you. And there's Google and like so much of why I'm successful was a testament to other entrepreneurs helping me, female entrepreneurs. And I do too. Like anyone who's asking, like, I'll be like, here's this is what you're going to do. I remember someone was like, you're going to get an accountant. You're going to start an LLC. Like, you're going to stop spending money on Uber and, like, get it going, bitch. But you have to – it's just – it's really difficult to have that patience with yourself when social media is showing you everyone's highs all the time. It's so hard. For me, too. There was a period recently where I, like, literally thought I did nothing, that I was not – that I was stagnant, that, like, no one thought I was – talented, successful, like it was, it's really, it's hard. Like, I know that we say that it's everyone's highlight reel, but sometimes you almost, you have to like slap yourself in the face and be like, no, like this is not real. Like this is not real. This is just like the good bits. And there's all this like bad shit and like the same shit that you are dealing with. Everyone's dealing with like a variation of that. It's so important to check ourselves. It's so important. And that's why I've been making more of a concerted effort within the last couple of weeks. And I really like I'm trying here is just to really be more open. Like I literally sobbed on Instagram stories on Saturday night because I really am like trying to be like, yo, like no one has it figured out. No one ever will. It's just we're just going through the motions and, and seeing what sticks. This has been amazing. Tell everyone where they can find you. Serena Kerrigan. There's no F word in all my handles. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And let's fucking date and buy my games. Amazing Christmas gift or, you know, holiday gift, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever the fuck you celebrate. Amazing Valentine's Day gift. Um, Amazing gift for anyone for yourself. But yeah, you can buy all of them on letsfuckingdate.com. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.